Bokertov, good morning to everyone and welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. Looking forward to the opportunity to learn together Parsha's Tzav. And though we're all gearing up and preparing and getting ready for Pesach, we cannot neglect and forget that this Shabbos is a regular Parsha. We have the privilege of learning and reading Parsha's Tzav. And only on Motzei Shabbos does Yantav begin. Do we get ready for the Seder? So simultaneously this week we have to prepare both for the Seder and the Haggadah, as well as to review the Parsha as well. Parsha Tzav can be found on page 568 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash. I want to thank our generous Parsha series sponsors for the year, dear friends Becky and Avi Katz, and family and loving memory of David Grossman, Becky's father, Le'iloi Nishmas, Davaben, Menachem, Manish. This morning's shir is also sponsored by Lisa and Rabbi Dr. Yona Feldman of Plainview, New York, in honor of their children. Thank you to the Feldmans. And by Gail Goldman, Joy Sultan and Ira Kosman, children of Samuel Kosman, Shmuel Ben Yitzchak in his memory, and Fifth Yurtzeit. He was an educator and a teacher and a community leader, and his neshama should have an aliyah. His memory should be for a blessing. Thank you to our generous sponsors. Page 568 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash. Parshas Tzav, we are in Torah's Kohen, and last week we began to read the story of Vayikra, the laws of the Jewish people as a mamlechas Kohenim. And therefore, they're not esoteric, abstract, archaic, outdated laws for the Kohenim, but we can extract from them lessons that are contemporary, lessons that we can apply in our lives each and every day. Parsha Tzav begins by Deber Hashem Moshe Lemor. God spoke to Moshe saying, Tzav es Aaron v'yazbanav Lemor, Zos Torah Sa'olah, this is the law of the Korban Ola. The Korban Ola was an elevation offering. The Kohanim did not consume. The owner of the Korban did not eat any part of it. It burned on the altar overnight. The entire animal was offered to God and was consumed by the Mizbeach. So it said, Al Mogda, on the fire. Al Mizbeach, on the altar. Kolalayla. The entire night, Ada Boker, until the morning. And the fire, the flame of the altar, Tukad Bo, had to remain lit, had to remain burning in it. We begin with a comment of Rav Druk. We're still in the Ish Tamid. Now you understand, this is the Parsha. He names the set of Svarim on Parsha Ish Tamid from Parsha Tzav, the Ish Tamid, the fire that is consistent, continual, the fire that used to burn on top of the Mizbeach. It's our mission. We have to be on fire. And we have to be on fire not only in intervals, we have to be on fire not only occasionally, but our mission, our mandate is to always be on fire, passionate, enthused, energized, and excited by Torah and what it teaches. So Rav Juk says the following. He begins with Rashi. Rashi on this post, Tzavis Aaron is benavle more. Rashi says, Tzavis Aaron, command Aaron. Ain't Tzav el ziruz miyad uladoros. That word Tzav is unusual. Usually the Torah says, Taber, Emor, Va'amarta, Moshe, your job is to transmit. Your job is to communicate. Your job are to teach these lessons and ideas. Why does it say Tzav, to command? So Rashi tells us, quoting Chazal, Tzav is Lashon Ziruz, to act with alacrity and with zeal. Don't procrastinate and don't be lazy and don't turn these mitzvah opportunities into chametz. So number one is Ziruz, Miyad, immediately. Don't delay, don't push off, don't do it later. And Ladoros in perpetuity for generations. Why specifically here in Korbanos? Why specifically here with the Korban Ola does the Torah need to go out of its way and say, Lashon Sav, do it immediately and do it with enthusiasm and do it in a way which will last 
and which will inspire generations. Because, says Rashi, there's a chisaron kiss. There's a loss the Kohanim have. We've discussed in years past, what is that loss? What is the chisaron kiss? What are the Kohanim forfeiting? What are they losing out on? So much so that they have to be told, don't focus on what you're losing out. Don't focus on what you're forfeiting. Focus on the opportunity and do it with zeal. Do it with enthusiasm. Do it with alacrity. So in previous years, we talked about that other offerings are consumed, they're shared with the Kohanim. Delicious barbecue, meat. They get to go home with some flesh. Here, the entire animal is consumed on the altar. The Kohanim don't get a share. They don't get to enjoy any part of it. And therefore, they might have acted with a little delay. They might have procrastinated. That's why they have to be told, don't hesitate, go all in. Says Rav Jok the following, Miloshan HaPosuk Shenem Artsavis Aaron, from the language of this Posuk, we don't see the word sav with the chatas and the shlomim and the toda and the other offerings of our parsha. We see it specifically in connection with the karban of the ola. So what is it about the ola that takes that extra level of zeal, that needs that extra little push? says we already explained, as we just mentioned, the Kohanim don't get any part of. They don't get to participate in. The Ola is consumed on the altar. So the Chesron Kis, they lose out their effort, their time, their resource, and they don't even walk away with any meal. However, says Rav Druk, there is another alternative explanation that the Chesron Kis, the loss is not to the Kohanim, but it is to the one for whom the Korban is offered, the Tzibur. It is for the community offering that carbon ola. So where did the tzibur lose out? What sacrifice, pun intended, I guess, but what sacrifice are they making? Sort of drakot chidushi harim. The chidushi harim, the great Gera Rebbe says, For every one of our senses, there is a covering. There is a filter to that sense. Laozen ozen. The ear has the ear lobe. The ear has that which filters on the entrance of the ear. Lashon, to the tongue, The tongue, the power of speech, has the lips. We can close or seal our lips and not speak. to the eyes, The eyes have eyelids. So you can, the Gemara says, why do we have an earlobe? In order to stick inside your ear when there's Lashonara. Gossip, negative criticism, negativity, Close off the hole. Seal it off. Don't absorb it. Don't receive it. Don't take it in. None of us could use the negativity. If you're looking at an image which is bad for you, close. We have eyelids closed. Your tongue is tempted to say something. Seal your lips. Lock it and throw away the key. Each of the senses have a filter, a cover, a seal. However, there's one sense that has no cover, and that is hamachshava, our thoughts. Ein la'adam shlita amachshavosav. A person doesn't have complete control over their thoughts. There are people who struggle to fall asleep at night. I'm sleeping before my head even hits the pillow. I'm exhausted. But there are people who lie in bed awake because their thoughts are constantly spinning. The wheel is constantly moving. They're constantly perseverating on what was, what will be, what is, how will it work out, and the anxiety and the worry and the concern, the review, the nostalgia, the thought. So people whose thoughts control them there's no lid, there's no seal, there's no filter, there's no on-off switch to the thoughts. 
Even if a person can successfully engage a filter, not to say things which shouldn't be said, not to listen to things that shouldn't be listened to, not to look at things that shouldn't be looked at. However, when it comes to our thought, our fantasy, our lust, our desire, our distractions, it is incredibly challenging not to give in and not to lose ourselves. We can change our thoughts, we can redirect our thoughts, we can meditate, and we can try to control them, but in the end of the day, it's very, very, very challenging. Each of the sacrifices atoned, they came in order to repair the damage of a certain Avera, a certain mistake, certain poor judgment. The Korbanola, the elevation offering, what did it atone for? What it atoned for were Hirure Halev. The person who had the wrong fantasy, the wrong thought, the wrong temptation. A person who allowed themselves to marinate and perseverate in their thoughts. They need atonement. Ah, there's no action. The person didn't act on those thoughts, didn't follow up on that fantasy, on that urge. Still, the thought itself, indulging the fantasy, indulging the distraction, indulging the desire, itself needs atonement, needs repair, it needs addressing. And that's what the Chidush Arim, the great Gary Rebbe says, Since the Korban Ola here does not come to repair or atone for a particular deed or action, but for a whole process of indulging inappropriate thoughts, That is where we can fall prey the easiest. Between the urge and the action, there's a delay. But when the urge is the thought, then we lose ourselves. Sometimes we're not even aware that we're daydreaming, that we're fantasizing, that we're thinking, that we're indulging in that desirous thought. That's incredibly challenging. It's the hardest. There's no lid, there's no cover, there's no filter, unlike the eyes, the ears, and the mouth. So a person will find themselves revisiting the obligation for a korban ola often, since it's the most difficult to avoid, to prevent, to be able to regulate, one will find themselves revisiting it often. So the fact that you have to keep coming back to bring the next korban ola, why? Because you indulge those fantasy, the thought, the desire, the distraction, that's the chisaron kiss. It wasn't cheap, it was not inexpensive. To get an animal, to go to the Beis HaMikdash, to have it offered, and not even to walk away with any of its meat, not to walk away with any of its product, was an enormous expense. So if it was an enormous expense you did once in a lifetime, once a decade, maybe once a year, says Rav Druk, maybe the Chisaron Kiss, the great expense is, it is the easiest to violate and an expensive uh, proposition, and that is costly. And because it's expensive, and because, oh, here we go again, another Ola, I made the mistake again, I indulged those thoughts again, I've got to address them and repair them again, that's why we need it, we need the language of, do it with alacrity, do it with zeal, do it with enthusiasm, do it with, do it with desire. Number one. Number two, the heart Tzvi, former chief rabbi of Yerushalayim, Ratzi Pesach Frank Zatzal, the great Har Tzvi, 
So the Artsvi says, why do we have the double language? Zos Torah Ha'ola, these are the laws of the Ola. He Ha'ola al Mogda al Kol It is the law. This is the Pasuk base, by the way. We didn't read it. Pasuk base. We did read it. This is the Pasuk base that we read. These are the laws of the Ola. That's the Ola that went on the fire on the altar the entire night. Why Kefalashin? Why the double language? This is the law of the Ola, the law of the Ola. So says the Tzipesach Frank, the Haritzvi, the following. Chazal teach us, Gemara Menachos Kufyud. Kola Osek Betoras Ola, Kiilu Hikriv Ola. Whoever occupies themselves with the study and with the learning of these laws, it is as if they offered that sacrifice. We don't have a temple. We don't have a Beis HaMikdash today. We are precluded. We are deprived. We are denied the opportunity to come to Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, and to ascend to the Holy Temple and to bring these sacrifices whose result will be our feeling of drawing close to God. We don't have it. What is the closest we could come, say our rabbis? Kola Oseg Betoras. If we learn, if we study, Chavetz Chaim writes about this in his introduction to Kodshim. Chavetz Chaim writes how a person has to not avoid the Masechtas, the sections and areas of Torah that we feel are unrelatable, that we don't connect with because we don't apply them, they're not familiar, but they need extra study because Davka, the things we can't do when we study about them, it's as if we're doing them. So says the Hartzvi, now we understand not only do you fulfill as if you do them when you study them? There's a maila. There's in fact a preference. There's a benefit. What? The carbon can only be brought during a specific time. But you can learn about the carbon anytime. You can learn about the carbon all day and all night. So therefore, to a certain degree, when you study and when you learn about the carbon, it's an even greater opportunity than when you bring the carbon itself. Says the Hartzvi, that's what the Torah means. Zos Torah Sa'ola. The Torah of the Ola, learning about the Ola, hi ha'ola. It is even better. It has a it has a uh, benefit greater than the offering of the Ola itself. Namely, that you can study at any time. You're not limited by a place, and you're not limited by a time. You can open up the Chumash Pashas Tzav. You can study about the Ola anytime, anywhere, and therefore that is a benefit of studying about the Ola, even above bringing the Ola, and that's what it means homiletically. Zos Torah Sa'ola, studying the Torah, the law of the Ola, he Ola, is even greater than the bringing of the Ola. It doesn't mean we don't long for the Beis HaMikdash. Of course, the ideal is the offering of the sacrifice itself, but lest we be too uh, bothered or disturbed, recognize there is an even greater benefit of studying the Torah, the law of the Ola. The Baal Hafla explained, the Baal Hafla in his Panam Yafos says the following, the Medrashir and Vayikar Rabbah on this Pasuk says, Amr Levi, Kol Eino Nidon Ela Ba'esh, Shene'emar Hi Ha'ola Al Mogda. Whoever's arrogant, Whoever's as an inflated ego, whoever thinks they're superior, they're greater, they're better, that person will be judged. That person will be held accountable by the punishment of fire. Where do we learn that from? Our Pasuk. Because the Ola was brought on the fire. So a person who's arrogant, who has an inflated ego, who thinks they're better or superior, the only antidote, the repair for them, is on the fire. You see that fire will be what's necessary. To a certain degree, very simply, we can understand that fire is what kashers, fire is what purges, fire is what removes. When we kasher, these days it's Pesach, 
So we're kashering. We kasher with a blowtorch. We kasher with the self-clean oven. We kasher with the fire of the grates, of the stove. We kasher with fire. It brings out, it purges a contaminant that had previously been absorbed. So my ego, my arrogance made me absorb all kinds of thoughts and judgments that are wrong. How do we get it out? With the fire of Ish. But the Balafla says differently. The Gemara Sanhedrin of Lamarches tells us, why was man created as the final act of creation? We have six days of creation, the heavens and the earth, and each day God creates the creepy crawlies and the birds and the fish and the, the vegetation, and he creates everything. On the sixth day, the final act of creation is, women like to say it's woman because she was created and extracted out of man. But the final act is this androgynous figure, which is the combination of man and woman together, Adam Harishon, the original man, is the ultimate act of creation. And that's why the creation goes in the order of sophistication. Man is last because man is to a certain degree, or we are to think of man as being best. Says the Balafla'a, that's exactly where the ego comes from. When man thinks, I am superior, I am better than all other creation. They're all here to serve me. Then a person can get arrogant. But there's one last thing that was created after man. On Motzei Shabbos, we commemorate it each and every week when we recite Havdalah. What was created on Motzei Shabbos? What did man first discover for the first time on Motzei Shabbos? Man discovered fire, power of fire, the gift, the blessing of fire. Fire illuminates, fire brings energy, fire brings warmth. Fire can also consume and destroy, it's double-edged. But fire is a great gift, fire was a great discovery, fire is the ultimate creation. Says the Hafla, that's what's going on. What does it mean? Call him anyone who becomes arrogant, will be judged by fire. It means lest you think you're so great, you're so arrogant, you're so superior, you're the last creation. No, there's one more creation after you, and you will be held accountable. You will be judged by that last creation, the fire that came when? On Motzei Shabbos on Saturday night. Okay, back to Rav Druk. Next piece in Rav Druk says the following. Next piece in Rav Druk. The Medrash on Vayikar Rabbah, on our Psukim, Tzavas Aaron command Aaron and his children. These are the laws of the Ola, the Ola that sits on the fire, on the altar, all night, until the morning. The fire must remain. And the Kohen, Velavasha Kohen Midobad, Umichmi Sevad Yobasha Besaro, the Kohen changes his clothing, he puts out a linen tunic, and he puts the uh, linen pants on his flesh. And what does he go to do? He removes the ash. He removes the pile that had burned the entire night before. He takes the pile of ash that had been from the ola that sat burning, being consumed on the altar all night long. And he places it next to the altar. We're not going to review one of my favorite divrei Torah of Hirsch. Why does the Kohen have to change their clothing? So it's an avoda. It's an act of service. It seems very pedestrian, very mundane. Taking out the garbage, there's a holiness, a sanctity to it. Why does he have to change his clothing, big day kahuna? And why does he first put it next to the altar and only then remove it? Imagine you're taking out the garbage in your home, you're taking out the trash, and you have a ritual. On the way out, when taking out the trash, you stop and pause to put it next to your front door, and only then do you take it out. What kind of a ritual? How bizarre is that? You're taking out the garbage. Take it right to the garbage. Take it right to the curb. Why'd the coin stop to put it down? I'll tell you the questions. I'm not going to tell you the answer. It's a beautiful refresh. You can listen to previous years. I love that refresh. But the Medrash Vayikar Rabbah says the following. Mitchilas ha-sefer v'yadkan ksiv v'orchu b'nei Aaron, v'zorku b'nei Aaron, 
From the beginning of Sefer Vayikra until now, the whole beginning of Vayikra talks about command the children of Aaron, the children of Aaron, the children of Aaron. Omar why don't we mention Aaron? We keep mentioning B'nai Aaron, the children of Aaron. What about Aaron? Because of you, I'm drawing Aaron close, Hashem tells Moshe. And moreover, don't worry. Aaron will get his spotlight when? Beginning of Parshat Tzav. Tzav is Aaron, there's Bonav. His Bonav, his children will be secondary. Aaron is primary. Where and when is Aaron primary? The beginning of Parshas Tzav. So, wonders of Druk. So, Taka, why did it take until now? Why in Parshas Vayikra, why in the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, do we not have Aaron addressed directly? Why is it first directed to Aaron's children? And here it's Aaron. The beginning of Vayikra, we're talking about the sacrifices themselves. And specifically there, where we are delineating the sacrifices themselves, we don't mention Aaron directly, alone. And now when we're talking about taking out the garbage, now we mention Aaron? Now Aaron gets invoked? What's going on? And the questions we just asked, what, taking out the garbage, why is that a holy endeavor? What is the big deal? It should just be a necessary evil. Remove the garbage so that there's room on top of the altar for the next sacrifice. Good. Good. So what's going on? So listen to what Rav Juk says. He begins by quoting the Chulvas Halavavos, Rabbeinu Bachi Ibn Pekuda, in his Shar Hachniya, in his chapter having to do with modesty and humility and deference. Biyar Inyan Zeper Gvavi says the following, quote, Person has to defer, person has to submit, a person has to surrender to the Almighty and to His great honor. Abandon your sense of greatness. Abandon your sense of rights and entitlements. Abandon that sense of ego. And take all that you have and all that you are and dedicate and devote it to the service of God and to molding and repairing this world in His image. Whether you're by yourself and you're doing a mitzvah alone and you're not doing it about you, but you're doing it about Him. Or if you're found among a great group. says, And where do we see an example of a great person with every right to say, Do you know who I am? I am the high priest. I am Aaron. I'm the number two in the nation. I'm the older brother of Moshe. Do you have any clue who I am? I'm a prophet. Take out the garbage. It's beneath me. Are you crazy? So the Torah goes out of its way and it says, no. You know who takes out the garbage? We haven't addressed Aaron alone until now. We've been addressing the karbonos, the great distinction and prominence of the sacrifices that we've addressed to the children of Aaron. But now, the lowly taken out the garbage, now we talk about, now we think about, now we invoke Aaron. You see from this comment, you see from this insight of the Chovos that the core and the essence 
of the service of removing the garbage is to lower us, is to recognize there's nothing beneath us, that there's nothing beneath me when it's la'asosam l'chvod Hashem Yisbarach. When all that I'm doing is to honor God, there is nothing beneath me. When it's all about you, you say, pick up the garbage, clean the toilet, turn off the light, lock the door. What are you talking about? I'm the CEO. I'm the president. I'm the rabbi. What are you talking about? I make the big donations. My name is in lights. Who do you think I am? I'm going to do those things. I would never lower myself to do those things. But when it's really all about the Rebona Shalman, it's about the Almighty. When it's about the cause, not about you, then there's nothing beneath you. There's nothing beneath you. There are countless biographies of great people who paused and stopped and picked up the garbage, who exemplified and taught and modeled for everyone around them. There is nothing beneath me. Because when it comes to the community or the cause, when it comes to the effort or to noble destination, there's nothing I'm not willing to do. So therefore, specifically taking out the garbage, ooh, the great Aaron. The great Aaron. He was humble, he was modest, and he was ready. You can imagine, for the Kohanim, it would go to their head. They have this position of distinction. They don't have to go to work like everyone else. They're supported for by the community so that they can lead and serve the community. Everyone else comes to the base of Mikdash, the temple. They are spectators to the Kohanim, the priests. They're the ones who get to do the avoda. You can imagine that goes to their head. You can imagine they can start to believe the hype. So therefore, they're, they're given service that lowers, that humbles, that offers context and perspective. Take out the garbage. Put on holy clothing and realize that even taking out the garbage is a holy activity. I love to quote, in NASA, if you stop a janitor or custodian in NASA and you say, what do you do? They are trained to answer and to believe, I put man on the moon. I, what's my contribution? I'm not a scientist or an engineer. I don't work in the control room. But everybody who works there, from the person who sends the space shuttle off, the pilot, to the one who empties the garbage, we put men on the moon. So Lahavdil, every one of us in the community have a mission. We have a charge. We are Marbek Vodshamayim. We make a Kiddush Hashem. Our mission is to increase godliness in this world, spirituality and sanctity in this world. And there's nothing beneath us. And if that's why we're in it, then we're willing to do whatever it takes for it. And there's nothing that is beneath us. And therefore we can understand, Davka Khan writes of Druk, Kodem Atziva Atshumas Adeshen, now we have Aaron and not B'nai Aaron. B'nai Aaron, those are the Karbanos, those are the privileges. Taken out the garbage, lest you think that was beneath Aaron, what a lesson. There is nothing beneath anyone. Everyone should get their hands dirty. Everyone's ready to get involved. There's nothing that is beneath us when it's all about the cause and not about the Kavod. It's about the cause and not about the covenant. When I speak to young rabbis, I tell them that what I try to do, what I aspire to be, and the people who I love and admire within the rabbinate, take what they do seriously, but never take themselves too seriously. Our job is to take what we do seriously, but not to take ourselves too seriously, because when we do, we get into trouble. That's when we believe the hype, believe the honor, we think things are beneath us, and that's the mistake that we make. So Rav I think, very beautifully points out, again, this comment of the Chobos this comment of Rabbeinu Bachya, that 
Why did we go from B'nai Aaron throughout all Parshas Vayikra? We never mentioned Aaron alone once. And the first time we mentioned him alone is the Truma Sadesh and the taking out the garbage because this lesson of leadership, a lesson of humility, a lesson of nothing being beneath us, a willingness and an eagerness to get involved in everything and every opportunity. Perik Pasuk Hay, bottom of page 568. I hope you notice I'm trying to read slower. My father told me. So when you read the text, read it a little bit slower for everybody. The fire on the altar should remain burning. Don't allow it to extinguish. Don't allow it to burn out. The coin has to put new wood on. Keep that fire going every morning so that you can place the ola on it and you can cause the fats of the peace offering to go up in smoke. Wonders the Svas Emes. The fire of the Mizbeach should burn. Bow. What's the bow? Tukad bow. Tukad bow. Bow means on it. What is the on it? What are the possibilities? Tukad bow, to burn on it. On it could mean on the altar. On it could mean in the Kohen. Says the Svasemes, the Chidush Arim quotes from his father. The Svasemes, who says, Tukad bow, it should have said Tukad al hamizbeach. If it meant keep the fire burning on the altar, it should have said Tukad al hamizbeach. It doesn't. It says Tukad bow. The bow is the Kohen. When we do an activity, you got to keep that fire burning, not in the fire, the fire burning in us. You light the Shabbos candles, the Yontif candles. You're not just lighting candles to keep that fire burning, but the goal is to keep that fire burning in us. The bow, says the Svasemis, is a description of us. Perk Bav Vav Pasig Vav, moving right along. Eish Tamid Tukar al Lo Here is the obligation to have an Eish Tamid, the name of Rav Sefer, to keep a fire burning on the Mizbeach, Tamid, always and regularly. Says the Yerushalmi in Yuma, Eish Tamid, Tamid, it should be burning regularly. Af, b'shabbos. It has to burn even b'shabbos. Tamid, always. Af, b'tumah. Even when there's contamination and impurity, that fire's got to keep going. Lo af b'masaos. It can never go out. It means that even when you're carrying the altar, even when you're transporting it, when the people travel between their destinations, the fire must remain lit. Comments of Druk. The fire was always burning. It never went out even when they were journeying. That even while they traveled. But it's very... I, I would understand why on Shabbos it has to be burning because the Mishkan is still, Mishkan is still open for business. Even Betuma, when there's impurity, it still has to be burning. Mishkan is still open for business. But while it's being transported, wonders of Druk, what does the Yerushalmi and Yuma mean that the fire has to burn even while you're between destinations, even while the, while the altar and the whole Mishkan are journeying and are being transported? And he has a beautiful, beautiful insight. Venir of the Farsh, I want to do a few more on the Chumash, and then I'm going to share with you the Imre Chaim's Yeritzah. It was yesterday. We'll do a few Imre Chaim's on the Haggadah. It's Erev Pesach too, so we'll give you a little Parsha Tzav, and we'll also throw in some bonus Haggadah material, maybe even a little Shabbos Haggadah. We'll see. So it says Rav Druk, what's this notion that the fire burns even during the journeys, even during the travels? Venir the Farsha P is so Gadol. There's a core foundational value that Kola Adam Chai 
השגרס חייב ומצא בביסה ומקומס טבעי, בדרך כלל אפשר לומר שהוא מחוסן מניסיונס גדולם ומסכנה שסטיה מדרך הישר. We are creatures of habit, and if we can form the right habit, says Rav Druk, then, when we are in our normal habitat, when we are in our normal neighborhood, when in our normal context and community, we simply keep up those good habits and we're good to go. I've got my minion, I've got my makam kavua, I've got my dafyomi, I've got my chesed I volunteer for, I have my friends who bring out the best of me, I have my normal environment, and my normal environment enables and empowers and allows me to live my best self, without too much complication. There are not external forces and variables, though every one of us are in the roller coaster called life. But if I'm in my normal habitat and environment, I can be my creature of habit and go through my routines. And those routines are very effective in helping me do the right thing. But what happens, says Rav Druk, What happens when you're on a vacation, when you're on a business trip? What happens when a pandemic interrupts and disrupts? What happens when, God forbid, an illness or, God forbid, some natural event or disaster knocks us off course? And now we're on a journey. Now we're on a trip. Now we're traveling. We're out of our normal habitat and environment. And now we're going somewhere else. We're in a place where nobody recognizes us. And there are no reinforcements. And there may not be a minion. And there's not necessarily a dafyomi. Now we're going to encounter challenges. Now we're going to encounter tests that we didn't have to endure in our normal place. And those are the moments of the true test. Who are you when you're home? You have a normal routine. But who are you when you're on the road? That is the test. That, the proof is in the pudding. When you're on the road, do you still make an effort to find a minion? When you're on the road, do you still do the noble deeds and behave in the correct way? When you're on the road, are you still a proud Jew making a Kiddush Hashem? When you're out of your environment and you're on the road, that is the rubber meeting the road of the proof and the evidence of who you really are. Says Rav Druk, with this we can understand a verse in Tilim. Praiseworthy is the person who's God fearing, who walks on their way. Klomar, it's in Parakuf Chav Ches, it's in chapter 128 to Who is the true God fearing? What are you watching in that hotel room? What are you watching on the way? Where do you eat? What do you think about? Where do you go? What time do you make for a noble activity? Do you persevere? Do you rise up? Do you still stretch and strive to be your best? Then you're called a Yare Hashem. Furthermore, you can understand another Hashem. Praiseworthy, fortunate are the pure of the path who walk in the Torah of Hashem. Again, the idea that when is the greatest evidence, affirmation of who we are, what we believe, how we want to behave, when we are not in our normal routine, when we are broken, when we are disrupted from our routine, can we persevere nonetheless? So now you can understand. That fire has to burn. The fire on the altar can't go out. Even B'Shabbos. 
And even Betumah, okay, I understand. But the fire on the altar also can't go out in Masos. When you leave your environment, the fire has to burn. You don't say, I'm on fire when I'm home and I have my routine. I'm on fire when I have my reinforcements. I'm on fire when I have my regular people around me. But when I go on the road, what can I do? What's, what choice do I have? I just try to get by with the bare minimum. No, the fire must burn. Even when you're out and about, even when you are on the road, even when you are disrupted. I would add to Rav Druk, humbly, that the notion of B'masos, even when you're journeying, can also be when you're home. This entire year for us has been a year of abnormal, a year of disruption. It's been an entire year of not being allowed to do our normal routine. And there are some, there are many, who have yet to become adjusted again. Some people lost, I'll give you an example. I just read an article that suggests we should all adopt what was the equivalent of the time it took us to get to work. The, uh, what do you call that? My commute. Everybody should adopt voluntarily. Go for a walk every morning and at the end of your day for the equivalent of your commute. Why? Because a commute's a very healthy thing. For some, that's when they're listening to this Parsha year. They haven't heard a Parsha year in a whole year because they haven't had to commute anywhere. For some people, that's when they make phone calls and check in on people they love. For some people, that's when they can meditate, reflect, and have a conversation with the Almighty, practice some as bodhidus. So for a whole year, how many have lost a commute and lost, as much as we complain about the commute, the opportunity the commute presents? And so you can be knocked out of a routine. This, this insight, afilu b'masos, being on fire even in the journey, can be even while you are home. When knocked out of routine, when disrupted from the patterns that we've made for ourselves that support ourselves, we have to try to find a way to be on fire nonetheless to keep that fire going. Okay, Perk Vav Pasuk Yud Zion. Moving along now to the next Korban. The next Korban is the sin offering. A Korban Chatas. Person makes a mistake, Beshogig. They violate a prohibition of the Torah and they did it accidentally, mindlessly. They have to bring a korban chatas. Where is it brought? The Pasuk tells us, page 572. In the same place where the Ola was offered, that's where the chatas is offered. Kodesh Kadashim He. It is Kodesh Kadashim. So says Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar here. So the shechit, the ola, is brought where the shechting, the slaughtering of the carbon ola is done, bitzafon in the north of the altar, and it comes for hirur alev. We spoke about that the carbon ola repairs; it atones for the damage done through fantasy, through thought, through indulging distraction, desire, and ibal hirur alev. Rabbeinu's got a great insight. Why are they offered in the same place? The Korban Ola and the Korban Chatas. Why are they associated with being offered in the same place? Because just think about it for a moment. The Ola was offered for internal thoughts, desires, distractions. The chatas was offered for action. So if you saw someone else online to bring the korban, where the shechting happened, bitzaf on the north, you didn't know whether they were atoning for an act or a thought. And that person was saved from humiliation and embarrassment. 
you didn't know, did they just think the wrong thing or did they do the wrong thing? And because you didn't know, the individual was spared from a sense of shame, from a sense of embarrassment, and that was by, therefore by design in the in the Beis Hamikdash in the Mishkan in that in that way. Why do we associate the Torah's chatas with the Ola? Just say Torah's chatas shchitasa b'tzafon. This is the law of the slaughtering of the chatas. Where is it done in the north of the altar? Why do we have to invoke and associate it just like the Ola is there? So too is the chatas, and that's what Rabbi Nachman is saying. It's by design. So that spectator wouldn't know why they're there, and it would save the person a sense of a sense of embarrassment. Okay, moving along. Oh, Pigol, Perkzayin pasuk yudches, Perkzayin pasuk yudches, page five seventy six. If some of the flesh, if some of the meat of the peace offering of the Shlomim was intended to be eaten on the third day, it's not acceptable. Pigul means that while, it's a big discussion in the Gemara, we just had at the end of the Pesachim for the Dafyomi, Pigul means you had erroneous thoughts while you were bringing the sacrifice Depends when, is it in the moment of Shechita or the moment of Zerika? But in some part of while bringing the sacrifice, you thought the wrong thing. You thought, I'm going to eat it in the wrong place at the wrong time. So now you have violated the law of the Karban. You had the wrong thought in terms of how it should be executed, pun intended again. And therefore, Pigul, it invalidates the Karban. It invalidates the Karban. Rashi there quotes, It means that you were thinking during Shechita that you'll eat it on the third day, which it's ineligible to eat it then. Since it's ineligible to eat it then, it was the wrong and an extraneous thought, and therefore it invalidates the entire thing. Rav Druk wonders, our last Rav Druk of the day, Rav Druk wonders, since when does a thought invalidate? Shouldn't we just care about the action? You got it right. You made it to the Beis HaMikdash, you made it to the Temple. And you spent a lot of money, you got the animal. And they took the animal and it was slaughtered. And you collect the blood and it's sprinkled. And you do everything to a T. Everything accurately, diligently, everything correctly. So who cares what's going on in your head? Who cares if not only did you have no thought, you had the wrong thought? But so what? My wife asked me to take out the garbage. And while taking out the garbage, I wasn't thinking about... Well, the garbage day is tomorrow and the garbage belongs on the, on, the, uh, on the curb right now, so they'll pick up the garbage correctly. Or that this act will bring me close to my wife. She wants me to do it. I don't really feel like doing it, but if she wants me to do it, it's going to bring me close. Instead, I was thinking all about, I can't wait for vacation after Pesach to relax, to sleep. My mind went somewhere else. So in the end of the day, did the garbage make it to the curb or not? In the end of the day, was the carbon offered or not? Who cares about the thought that happened in the meantime? So if Druk says, in order to answer this, you have to understand the Ramban. The Ramban in last week's parsha talks about Yesod Tamam Shal Karbonos, the reason for the Karbonos. And the reason for the Karbonos is symbolism. The word Karbon comes from the word Karov. We're trying to draw close to God. And it's all about the intent. And it's all about the mindfulness. I'm taking the animal in me and slaughtering it to you, God. God, there's an animal impulse, an animal desire in me. When I bring the sacrifice... I am sacrificing the animal in me to you. When I sprinkle the blood, I'm sprinkling, I'm redirecting my passions to you. When I burn the fats, I am burning, I am destroying my indulgences in me so I can better serve you. The whole system, 
The whole way the Korban works is it's all about mindfulness, thoughtfulness, symbolism, intent. So that's why we have a rule called Pigul here. Because specifically in an act that is connected to a relationship, thoughts matter. If you had the wrong thought, if you had a violating thought, if you had an extraneous thought, if you had the no thought, then you have in fact compromised the act. We measure in the context of a relationship, we don't just measure the act by the result, but we measure the act by the intent within the act. Let's say you had the right result, but you did it by accident altogether. You didn't even plan it. Do you get credit for it? No, it was an, it was an accident. So you see that it's not only about the act, it's also about the intent that goes in as well. I wanted to share one insight from the Rav, but I don't want to run out of time. I just want to remain use our little time remaining to give you a few insights on the Haggadah. After all, this is Erev Pesach as well. And yesterday was the Yerat site of the Helege Imrechaim, the great Imrechaim of Vizhnitz, the Vizhnitz Rebbe. You know that one of my favorites, I share with you the Vizhnitz Rebbe often because uh, I find his insights very succinct, very short, but very beautiful and very inspiring. I love the Helege Vizhnitz Rebbe. So this Yerat site was just yesterday, the Imrechaim. He says the following. Number one, the Gemara Rosh Hashanah tells us that in anticipation of a holiday, a person must purify themselves for the holiday. This is where there's a custom to go to the mikvah on an Erev Yantif, on Erev Achag. Says the Imrechaim, Perish, What does it mean? It means how do we purify ourselves? by examining and looking at our regel. Regel means a foot, a leg, it means a holiday, but it also can mean hergel. Hergel means a habit. So how do I purify? How do you purify yourself? Examine your habits, examine your hobbies, examine the things you've taken for granted, examine the patterns and routines that you've fallen into. Are they the best, are they the best of who you could be? That is the method and that is the manner through which to elevate and purify ourselves. Seder night we begin. Kadesh, Urchatz, Karpas, Yachatz, and so on. Kadesh, Kiddush, and then Urchatz, we wash. Says the Vishnitzer. Remez lahakdem asetov kodem sur This is an illusion. Which comes first? Maybe it should have been Urchatz. You're sitting down to the Helik of the Holy Seder table. You're wearing white. You're wearing a kittel. The tablecloth is white. It's royal. It's regal. It's magnificent. Maybe you should wash. First purify your hands. And then begin with Kiddush. Why do we start Kiddush and then Urchatz? Says the Vishnitzer, why? Kadesh Atzmacha, because Asay Tov Kodem Surmeira. Kadesh Atzmacha Reshus Vaacha Katsurachatz. Ki imposchem besurmeira, efshashulayagiu chas vishalom afpam la Asay Tov. We start with Asay Tov and then Surmeira. First we do the good Kiddush. We elevate, we sanctify, we do something positive. And then Urchatz, then we wash our hands. Because if we were beginning with the Sur Meirah, we, ne- we may never conclude we're ready for the Asay. We may be so, have so much work to do in order to abandon or leave or distance from the bad that we never come to do the good. Number three, Shalom Achad Bilvad. In Vehi Sha'amda we say, Shalom Achad Bilvad Amar Aleinu Lachaloseinu. That it wasn't only once they wanted to destroy us. Behold Dorvador. Every generation they come after us. In every generation, they try to destroy and eliminate us. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu Matzalenu Adam, Hashem saves us from their hand. So it says the Imrechaim, listen to this, Shalom Echad Bilvad Amar Aleinu 
Echad belvadu HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ha'echad yachad umiyuchad. When we talk about Shalom Echad belvad, the one alone, who is the one alone? Hashem, the Ribbono Shalom, the Almighty God. Who lo amad aleinu l'chaloseinu. No matter what you're going through, a pandemic, anti-Semitism, illness, Hashem is not in it to get rid of us. Lo chafet shenich lechas v'shalom. He does not want to exterminate or eliminate his people, his children. Lachain liolam lo itzlichu son av levatzaz mamam. And therefore our enemies were never successful. Our enemies have never been able to obliterate us. Ki HaKadosh Baruch Hu matzilonu miyadam. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu saves us from their hand. Why does Hashem save us from their hand? Because shalom echad bilvad amar alein l'chaloseinu. Because the shalom echad, Hashem, doesn't want our demise. He prophesizes and He promises our future. And even though there are difficult patches and rough times, even though we have sustained horrific loss throughout our history, He does not ever want to eliminate us. He has plans for us and He loves us. Shalom echad, the one who is echad bilvad, Lo, Amar Aleinu He never wants to eliminate us, and therefore he's Matzileinu Miyadam. And lastly, Halel says the great Vishnitzer, Balel Aseder Omrim Paamayim Halel. On the Seder night, different people's minog. Certainly, the Chasidish minog is to say Halel in Shul. So we say Halel twice. We say Halel at the end of Mariv, and then we say Halel again at the Seder. Why do we say Halel twice? A lot of reasons are given. Classic reason is that the Halel in Shul is the halal like on Pesach morning, commemorates the miracle from years ago. The halal in the Seder is because we have to see ourselves as if we've just been liberated, we've just been freed. So the halal of the Seder is not commemorative of something of the past. The halal of the Seder is to sing with gratitude for what we feel is happening right here and now. But the vision answer has a different answer. Says the Rechaim, the two halals on Seder night you know what the kavana, you know what the intent you should have while you're singing halal on Seder night? Wow, halal. Thank you, Hashem, that I'm going to say halal later. Thank you, I have a Seder. Thank you, I have family. Thank you, I have a Haggadah. Thank you that I can say thank you. This is similar to modem. Modem, asha'anach modem lach. We thank Hashem in our davening. Among the things we're grateful for, modim modim lach. We're grateful that we feel gratitude. How many people are walking around fabisana, miserable, negative, ungrateful, ingrates who never can see the positive and never can appreciate any blessing in their life? Modim, I'm grateful. modim lach. So grateful that I can be grateful. Halal, that I'm going to be saying halal. I think we can appreciate this, particularly this year. Because last year, how many people had the Seder all alone? How many people had Seder and Pesach in a way which was such an aberration, so unusual, such a departure from the way we normally do? This year, for those who have the Minog, when we sing Hallel Seder night, we say Hallel, that we can say Hallel. Hallel, that we can please God, hopefully in some way, go back to what we once had. Wishing everyone a Chag Kasher V'Sameach. We are off next week, no Parshashur next week. We resume after Pesach. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Continue tomorrow morning, 8.15 with 10 minutes of Mesilis Sharm and 8.45 with Living with Amuna. Have a fantastic day.